1: This is the Totally Useless Information Podcast with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Today on the show, we will cover these topics inventions, sports, animals, (laughs) open up the mailbag, and science. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 1. Totally Useless Information. It's everything you never
0: needed to know. The Totally Useless Information Podcast, hosted by Nick and Roy. Are you ready? I am ready for Season
1: 3. Innovation. Ideas. The Totally Useless Information Podcast presents Inventions. We all love pizza. Don't you love pizza? I, I actually I, I, really love pizza. So you order a pizza, it comes to the door in this cardboard box, and you see that little plastic thing in the middle that looks like a table? Yes. Someone invented it. It's a pizza saver. Carmela Vitali from Dix Hills, New York, invented it in 1983. In her patent, she detailed it as a package saver, which is a tiny little tripod, as we said, it looks like a little table. It would be placed in the middle of the pie to maintain the structural integrity of the box. So thank you, Carmela Vitali.
0: Brilliant. Very, very cool. See, in 1893, Margaret A. Wilcox invented an early car heater. Then she went on to invent a washing machine that does both clothes and dishes. It could do both clothes and dishes. Uh, if she if she hung them out in front of the car heater she probably would have invented the clothes dryer but she didn't do that but can you imagine in in 1893 she invented a car heater which i mean there were very few cars around then she invents both the
1: clothes washer and dishwasher in one unit which is amazing amazing <laughs> so what i would do is i would take the clothes and put them in the car in front of the heater to you know kill two birds with one stone then she invented the, uh, the, the clothes dryer. <laughs> oh, good for her. A snow globe. We love the snow globes. Aren't they beautiful? Oh, yes. Erwin Percy was a surgical instrument maker, and he was trying to produce a bright light for a surgical lamp with water-filled flasks to increase the intensity of the light. He was using particles in the water to increase the reflectivity of it, and it occurred to him that it looked like snow. So he created his first snow globe and received the first patent for the snow globe and together with his brother opened up a shop in Vienna and this family-owned company still produces the globes to this day and the material that the company uses for snow in those globes is still a closely guarded secret.
0: My wife collects one every single Christmas. Usually I think it's either the Red Cross or Cancer... Children's Cancer Society or something And she gets one every single year And we have a great collection Nikola Tesla Okay, This guy was an odd bird Remember I said odd bird He hated Pearls so much That he wouldn't date A woman who wore them Oh really? He fired a woman Who wore them to work But the most interesting (laughs) fact Is that Nikola Tesla fell in love with a pigeon. The man who invented electricity, light bulbs, generators, this genius of a man fell in love with a New York pigeon. So he he wasn't into women as much, I guess, as he was into chicks. (laughs) He was an
1: odd bird. (laughs) To woo her or coo her. He tried to core over. <laughs> so, um, when you make some toast and you want to butter it, and it's just a pain because the butter smears all over it and then it rips the bread apart. But lo and behold, the butter crayon was born. The butter crayon. That's right. A what? butter crayon was created by Don Schreinard, who worked at Microsoft and HP as a consultant. The invention was the, the was actually devised out of necessity. He wanted to to help his family butter their toast properly. The butter crayon is a hollow silicone tube that dispenses butter, kind of like a lipstick. Instead of spreading butter with a knife, the butter crayon users can stick, use a stick of butter inside the tube, gradually dispense it from the opposite side by pushing it out of the other side onto the toast or the pan for easy use.
0: Disgusting, though, when you think about it, rubbing the butter all over the crusty bread that's been toasted, and then back in the fridge. (laughs) That's disgusting.
1: You're listening to the Totally Useless Information Podcast. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. And if Uh you're into music, okay,
0: the name Leo Fender, you might know. But if you're not into music, Leo Fender is best known for the iconic Fender, electric guitar i mean it is probably the most iconic guitar ever made fender is played by eric clapton and all the greats played with fender guitars he invented the guitar that would rock the world problem is leo didn't even know how to play a guitar he never played one he never took a lesson he never (laughs) this is crazy i i i have two fender guitars I love Fender guitars. I have never, I never knew that Leo Fender could not play the guitar.
1: (laughs) Talk about your typical Fender bender. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, thanks for joining us. If you'd like to get in touch with us, uh, a simple email. It's just really just as simple. Just remember it. T-U-I podcast at outlook.com.
0: You think after all this success with the guitar, this guy could pull some strings and learn.
1: <laughs> Speaking of pulling something, let's pull some muscles. Sports. Play ball. On the totally useless information podcast, what do you got, my friend Roy? Uh, baseballs were originally made
0: from the foreskin of horses' penises. Okay, so they would take the, I guess, rather large foreskin of the horse's penis and use the leather from that section to make the baseballs. You think they would have moved down like a few inches and, and made those balls from
1: the balls? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> would have been just easy to just drop something in there and just tie it up. What's the expression? Don't look a gift horse in the mouth? No, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah. So, yeah. There's a sport called tuna tossing. This sport began in South Australia in the small fishing community of Port Lincoln. Mm -hmm. It was inspired by the local fishermen who would toss fish onto their trucks with force and started being used to spice up a local festival. So the winner is the person who manages to throw a 20-pound fish the furthest. Nowadays, the competition has become somewhat cleaner as participants use rubber fish instead. But in the past, they used actual 20-pound tuna to toss onto the trucks. Tuna tossing. If I did that,
0: I would use kind of like a stage name because it's embarrassing to throw fish around. So I would use a stage name. I'd be known as Al Bacor.
1: (laughs) (laughs) His sister, Alba.
0: Yeah, Alba Bacor. (laughs) nascar listeners start your smart speakers Mm -hmm. in
1: 1927
0: 1927 this is for nascar people and and yes race race fans the third place finish at the indy 500 1927 went to a car with a wood burning engine Really? Really? 1927 third place winner at the indy 500 had a wood burning engine fourth place went to my
1: grandmother and her walker <laughs> like, was it a wood burning walker that your grandmother used what the hell is what was the guy doing as
0: was? you got to pay attention that's like going around and you got to pay attention you can't be sitting there going i
1: need another log <laughs> you, know? you know what I just thought of something. What a great invention. You can make wood oven pizza as you're racing. That's right. You can make pizza on the way around. Yeah. Use that little table in the middle, for, you know, thanks and to they that. They didn't lady. have
0: pet yeah. stops. I guess they had Tinder stops. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or
0: wood. You think as they, they, they put the amount of wood on there, they logged it?
1: <laughs> and he won the race by a splinter. Competitive worm charming. Worm charming is a sport in which participants attempt to lure as many earthworms out of the ground as possible within a predefined time frame, because you need to put a time frame on this, right? Right. There are many kinds of techniques that can be used. However, the most common one in case you want to go out and charm a worm is to tap the ground with rhythm until the worms begin to emerge. Now, if you're wondering, there has to be a world record that was set. And if you thought that, you're absolutely right. The world record was on June 29, 2009, by a 10-year-old, Sophie Smith of England, who raised 567 worms during Britain's World Worm Charming Championship. The World Worm Charming
0: Championship. So let's get right. this straight. Humans yes. use worms to lure fish, and God uses humans to lure worms. Right.
1: <laughs> That's where you can, you can lure the earthworms to put on the hook to catch the tuna to toss it for the tuna tossing. It's
0: that whole teach a man to fish thing, I guess. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because
0: of ideological scoring, the system of scoring of tennis, which is very odd, it's 15-30-40 yeah. game or 15-love. Right. It's, it's this is odd non doesn't even make any sense because of that high school tennis players they did a study and high school tennis players scored lower on math tests now i played tennis in high school and i'll tell you the truth i think this is a lie because i know every time
1: two plus two equals seven so right yes exactly (laughs) (laughs) So is that why they call it scoring, because it's 15-love and you score? I'm not sure if that's what I, I, I guess that's in doubles. You know what, you know what we don't have here in, uh, in Canada? I'm in Toronto, Canada. Roy is in Florida. Uh, toe wrestling. Toe wrestling. Oh, they popular. Yeah, yeah. Instead of arm wrestling, it's toe wrestling. This is crazy. The sport <laughs> is similar to arm wrestling, with players attempting to pin down their opponent's toes for three seconds. The players play with their bare feet. (laughs) Of course they do, Mm. right? Okay. Alternating between their left and their right feet to play the best of three rounds. You just can't have one round. You need the best of three. You have have a lot of toes. Right. There are separate divisions for men and women. The (laughs) The World Toe Wrestling Championship has been ongoing since the 1970s and enjoys great participation the World Toe Wrestling Championships.
0: That is unbelievable. You know how most sports, football, has uh, you know certain injuries, people pull muscles, things like that. Right. Baseball has injuries as well, ligaments, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, in the National Toe Wrestling Association, they have a whole thing.
1: It's, it's really tough, but the athlete's foot. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Excuse me, I have to correct you. It's not the National Championship. It's the World toe wrestling championship it's oh, yes. wide. as well yeah. as those things that smell like animal, 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 crazy animal. on the totally useless information oh sorry kitty cat uh totally useless information podcast i'm nick i'm roy <laughs> The blood? The, no, nothing. Well, listen, you. I, I apologize to the kitty cat and to the kitty cat's agent. Uh, the blood mm-hmm. supply to the mammary gland of a dairy cow is extremely important for milk production. On average, between 400 and 500 units of blood pass through the udder for each unit of milk synthesized by a high-producing dairy cow. That's twenty. The udder what? The udder. Udder. On the cow. Oh, okay. The utter, utter, on the peanut butter, udder, <laughs> that's 25,000 mm. pints of blood. Because to help all of this, cows need 35 pints of blood. They have 35 pints of blood in their system. When humans, we only have 10. Wow. That's
0: a big difference. Well, they need it. We all know what anteaters eat. They eat ants, but how many ants do they eat? Oh, get ready—thirty-five thousand ants a day. Whoa! They can eat up to thirty-five thousand ants a day, and they can eat those ants. That's a lot of mad uncles. I'll give it time. It's got to sink in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is the mission brought to you by the Anteaters <laughs> Coalition of America. <laughs> All right. Woo. Okay. Zebra fish. The zebra fish has the same major organs and tissues as humans. Their muscle, blood, kidney, and eyes share many features with human systems. Zebra fish, in fact, have the unique ability to repair heart muscles. Humans and zebrafish share 70% of the same genes and 84% of human genes known to be associated with human disease and have a counterpart in the zebra fish. So major organs and tissues are also very common in the zebra fish.
0: Yeah, I hate sharing my genes with the fish.
1: They don't wash them, they stretch them out. <laughs> okay. Female
0: elephants always lead the herd. Female elephants actually the male elephant never leads the herd. The female elephant and for two reasons. Number one, As if human men actually ever think that they lead the way after marriage. It's the same thing with elephants. The woman's in charge. You know, let's face it. We're done. We're demasculated. And then number two. Number two. So when the herd gets lost, the male elephants can say, I told you to make a left back there by the tree.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Why can't you ask for directions? (laughs) Because they went on a picnic, they pack a derm. Um, mm-hmm. Birds aren't all singing the same song; they have dialects. While some birds are born knowing how to sing innately, they may need to be taught how to sing by their their uh, parents, just like humans. Those birds wow. can develop regional dialects, meaning their songs sound slightly different depending on where they live. Think of like Boston and Georgia accents, but for birds. Just as speaking the local language can make it easier for humans to fit in, speaking the local bird dialect can increase a bird's chances of finding a mate.
0: Yeah, could you imagine like the New York birds? They go... (laughs) Hey, you want to be my mate? The snout of a cat or nose of a cat... Mm -hmm is completely unique, very much like the human fingerprint. Can you imagine that? So you could tell your cat from another cat if you had fingerprinted the nose of that cat. It just sucks when they get arrested. It gives like a whole new meaning to being a brown nose.
1: (laughs) They rub the cat's face in the ink. Wow, yes. What are you in for? Uh, Yeah. If you'd like to get a hold of us, send us an email, tuipodcast at outlook.com. What's in the mailbag? What's in the mail? If you remember years ago, those of you who remember way back when, used to, um, when you sent away for something, they would say S-A-S-E. This is not part of my mailbag. This is just an aside and I said, well, what does S-A-S-E stand for? It's an acronym, self addressed Stamped Envelope. So you'd have to send huh? something and then put a stamp on, on the return envelope, self addressed Stamped Envelope. Cool. But yeah, this email cool. from Jackson, he is from Whitehall, Illinois. So thank you, all of you who are listening in Whitehall, Illinois, all across mm. North America and all over the globe. We thank you for listening. So Jackson writes, my wife and I are avid fans of your show. We have listened to just about every episode, but we do have a question about your graphics of each of your your episodes. We notice that they change week to week. Does the graphic have any relevance to what you guys are talking about on the podcast? I'm like, what a great question. So yes, Jackson. One of our staff members here at the Totally Useless Information Podcast designs the graphics based on some of the topics that we cover for that week's episode. So what we do is we provide the facts and then the The uh, graphic is designed based on the facts that we tell them. Perhaps you can all play a game, though. Every Thursday, look at the graphic when the podcast is released, because as you know, the podcast is released every Thursday. Listen to the podcast and then try to figure out how the graphic pertains to that week's episode. Check it out. It's pretty cool. Thank you, Jackson from Whitehall, Illinois.
0: And shout out to Nick's lovely and amazing wife for doing the graphics for us. She does a great job. She really does. I don't think I've ever seen one of them and said, I don't really like that. (laughs) They're all really good. Thank you. So my mailbag is Marlene from Boise, Idaho. I think it's so cool that we get these emails From all over the place. We've gotten emails from Mexico. We've gotten emails from, we even had one email look like it was written in Arabic, which I, I, you know, I don't know what it said, but I'm sure it was something very flattering. But anyway, Marlene from Boise, Idaho, she writes, gets right into it, did I hear you on another podcast called Eat This? Well, Marlene goes on to say, uh, Cause if it wasn't you, they stole your shit. <laughs> now let
1: me just say, Ooh.
0: what kind of language is that?
1: Oh my God,
0: Marlene, please. Where's she from? Okay, she's from Boise, Idaho. I think I thought people in Idaho were like, you know, like how y'all, you yo. you know. I mean, everything lovely. We were on a show called Eat This with Leanne, and it was a blast. We had a great time. There was all kinds of feedback. A lot of people heard it and listened to it. So Marlene has great taste in podcasts, but a potty mouth.
1: Yes. Marlene, right. <laughs> clean up that language. Meant- but thank you. Thank you, Marlene. Marlene. <laughs> Once again, if you'd like to get a hold of us, send us an email. podcast at Outlook.com.
0: What's in the mail? You know, Nick, yes. there's a whole science to this whole show. There sure is. Einstein was a moron. Newton was a jerk. He equals nothing in science, science,
1: science. What do you got in your, sci- your bag of science tricks? The human
0: brain is truly amazing. Well, my brain is anyway. But compared to the body size, the human brain is three times larger than any other mammal or any other animal for that matter so for, comparing to size our brain is three times larger and is believed to contain millions of times more information than any other animal's brain so i just thought that was amazing and of course that's why we become the the, the people that we are and take over and and you know we can outsmart other animals but three times larger, and millions of times more information. Interesting.
1: And in our case, a lot more useless information. Uh, w- we have a lot more space. <laughs> That's right, yes, exactly. As we've mentioned on the show many times. Uh, pinky, you know your pinky finger, the little, t- little one at the, at the end there? Yeah. Sure. Uh, all right. Yeah. The word pinky is derived from the Dutch for the word pink, meaning little finger. The pinky finger, no. as we know, is the fifth digit of the hand, is the least often utilized of all the five fingers. It just sits there. It just doesn't do anything. In comparison to the other fingers, the pinky possesses the most diminished range of motion. Wow. Pinky, so pinky so the word pinky means little finger. In Dutch it's, a Dutch. it's derived from the Dutch word pink, meaning little finger. Yeah, that's cool.
0: See, you learned something.
1: You learned
0: something. Somebody's going to walk into a place and say, did you know? In the meantime, it's
1: us, Nick. It's us making them smarter. It's us making them smarter with useless information. How about that?
0: Did you ever think, Nick, (laughs)
1: that we would be
0: teaching the nations? (laughs) Oh, they out of luck. Yeah. Okay. The science behind the Hershey's Kiss candy. It was called the Hershey's Kiss because when Hershey's executives saw the production machine that made the actual candy, as they saw it making one, they said it looked like the machine was kissing the conveyor belt. So they named it the Hershey's Kiss. Could you imagine if they didn't watch the machine and they just watched the executives for the day? The candy would have been called the secretary kiss. (laughs) Wow. And I cleaned that one up. (laughs) All
1: this uh, talk about uh, chocolate makes me hungry. And usually when you're hungry, you hear that rumbling sound in your stomach. You know that rumbling sound? There's a name for it. The rumbling sound your stomach makes when you're hungry is called a womble. W-A-M-B-L-E. The rumbling sound is called a wombo. So the next time you're hungry and you hear your stomach rumbling, it's called a wombo. To add to that,
0: the scientific medical term is crepitus. Crepitus. Sounds coming from your inside of your body is called crepitus. Oh, there are all kinds of sounds coming out of our bodies. Oh yeah. Did you ever drop a glass and it hits the floor? and shatters into a million pieces and it's all over the place you try sweeping it up and then like a month later you find it on the other side of the room
1: or under your foot
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah in your foot yeah well that's great that's an easy way to pick everything up without having to bend but you know <laughs> the shards are traveling when that glass hits and the glass shatters the shards are traveling at 3000 miles per hour in in fact This morning, I dropped a glass on the floor to try it out in Florida, and Nick is still cleaning it up in Canada. I (laughs) did.
1: Isn't it amazing? Even with the borders closed at the time of the recording of this podcast, the shards of glass made it through. Oh, yeah. They can't see them. They're clear. That's right. Clear. So after, I'm sure it rains down in Florida, right? It rains quite a bit. Never. Never. Yeah, it rains up here in Toronto. It It never rains. It never rains in California. But go ahead, go on. (laughs) Uh, Petrichor is the name of what it smells like after a rain. That distinctive scent, usually described as earthy and pleasant or sweet, produced by a rainfall on very dry ground. The raindrop... Petrichor? Petrichor. Raindrops that move at a slower rate tend to produce more aerosols, this serves as an explanation as to why the petrichor is more common after the light rain. Some scientists believe that humans appreciate the rain scent because our ancestors may have relied on rainy weather for survival.
0: Petrichor. Well, in Florida, we get loads of petrichor yes. because it's so damn hot. The sun is baking the ground. and when the, Every day at like 4 o'clock, we, we've had a drought so far, but every day usually at 4 o'clock we get this blasting rain for like... 15, 20 minutes, and then it stops. And, of course, you smell that because that ground was so hot, you know? And I guess that's called petrichor.
1: Again, folks, where do you learn this
0: stuff? You don't.
1: (laughs) Wow, yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, you know what? That's all the time we have for this week's episode. We will scour the internet far and wide for more useless information for you next week.
0: So in the meantime... We want you to tell a friend about the trend by sharing and subscribing and telling everyone you know to listen to the Totally Useless Information podcast. Oh, by the way, I don't think we said smart speakers. You can just say to your Google or your Alexa, just play the Totally Useless Information podcast or say play the new episode and it'll play the new episode. Which it just did. Oh, (laughs) yeah. It's doing it right now. That's
1: right. Now, In the meantime, (laughs) I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Thanks for listening.